Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy this story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Tracy Hazard. Tracy is a civil engineer by background and a senior principal and market lead with infrastructure consultancy Becker. Over her 25-year career, she's led many multidisciplinary transport, urban development and climate resilience projects in Aotearoa, New Zealand and across the South Pacific. Now, I'm really looking forward to hearing about more of those as we go, but just a few highlights to, to get us started. Tracy spent two years living and working in Samoa, leading a World Bank-funded infrastructure strategy and management planning program four years as manager of Becker's civil structures team, leading 34 engineers and design professionals charged with delivering large, profile and complex infrastructure projects. And Tracy also established and then spent five years leading Becker's group-wide commercial practice and delivery improvement business. Alongside that, Tracy's also a champion for women in STEM and is on the advisory board for the Women's Infrastructure Network. Kia ora, Tracy, and thank you very much for joining me today. Kia ora, Anna. It's great to be here. Super. Well, the first question that I would love to ask you is to take you back to when you were growing up. Maybe it was when you were a child or or a teenager and you started to have some of those first thoughts about what you might like to do with your life and your career. What were you thinking about? So I don't know that I was thinking about anything, to be honest, when I was at school. And in anticipation of this question, I actually went and asked my parents whether I'd said to them that I wanted to be something when I grew up. And they both said that I'd always wanted to be an engineer, which I can't believe because I went to engineering school for an open day and that was the first time I really kind of knew what engineering was or that it might be of interest to me. So I'm not believing my parents at this point. I think when I was at school, mainly what I was driven by was what were the things that I was enjoying and and what did I, um, what yeah, just following my interests really. And I was really interested in maths and science. And that took me to the the open day at the engineering school. So one of our teachers suggested that might be something that I would be interested in. Engineering school at the time was on Simon Street and it had this massive fluids lab and like big, big tanks of water that they tested different things. And that just super appealed to me. And I really just chose engineering because I wanted to go and play in the fluids lab. And that was kind of how I fell into engineering. Fantastic. And you know, nice to hear that encouragement down a certain path, perhaps from a teacher who, who spotted that, yes, okay, math, science, that could be a possibility. But as you said, you know, when you went and saw what it could be like, there were other things more practically that you thought could be interesting. And then as you got into studying engineering, and I think you then studied civil engineering, what was it then that you really enjoyed about that? Um, I liked the sort of hands-on nature of it, um, 
problem solving was really big for me when I was a kid. I used to do logic puzzles for for fun and um, my parents were into crosswords and I would do those with them. My parents were both really hands-on and creative parents. So dad built the house and mum was into sewing and floral art and engineering kind of peeled because it was the subjects that I was interested in, but also that it was about all that problem solving and creating things and figuring out how to put things together. Yeah, great. As you say, that kind of practical problem solving and absolutely would come into the fore now, even though you may not be doing so much practical hands-on work now, um, but there's still that problem solving piece, I'm sure, has stood you really well throughout your career. And then tell me then about some of your first jobs. What were some of the, the highlights or what did you learn from those? So when I finished my bachelor's degree, I decided I'd actually not had quite enough time in the fluids lab at university. So I did my master's in coastal engineering and built a scale model of and tested some erosion management options for that. And out of that, I got a job with Becker as a graduate in, in the ports and coastal team. When I look back on that team, I think that's really the first time I encountered the idea as of men as champions of diversity and supporting women in fields where that are largely male-dominated. So it was a great team run by some really lovely guys who have had a huge influence on my career over the years. And they just were, they're renowned actually for bringing capable women into their team, young women, and then just giving them every opportunity and letting them grow. So probably the main lesson I took from that was actually if you put your hands up, opportunities will generally come your way. And I often think of that as the advice from my younger self to me, remind myself to to be brave and to put my hand up and, and see what comes of it. Good advice. And I think sometimes we are a little bit braver, perhaps earlier in our career, and we become maybe a little bit risk, more risk averse as we go on. But it's good to listen to that, that younger self as well. And also what I liked about is if you think about diversity more generally, it's not enough just simply to say, bring a certain individuals or certain, in this case, bring women in. Actually, it's also about giving them challenging opportunities to help them stretch and grow and learn and develop too. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a fight on our own, I guess, which I'm, I'm learning later in life is the importance of having people around you who are prepared to wave the flag for different viewpoints and, and people with different backgrounds. Yeah, definitely. And you've now been with Becker, I think, for 25 years. I know. Um, in some ways, I think it's in, nowadays it's perhaps more normal to move around between different organisations. But I'm guessing in some ways with Becker being a consultancy, you must have had such variety in terms of different roles, different clients, different countries that it's kept you challenged and all that variety along the way. Yeah, I, you're right. A 25-year career with one organisation is is very rare these days. And for me, it's about culture and, and values. So and I'm just lucky that in my very first job, I found a company that had a really strong culture and that values that really spoke to me. So my 25 years has certainly not been 25 years of, of doing the same job, but I've been mm -hmm. working in the same environment with the same 
people and moving around in the business, but fundamentally just being in, in the same really supportive, really encouraging and exciting sort of space. So the 25 years, God, what have I done? Such a varied career path there. In the early years, very much about project delivery. And I often joke that in my first five years, I did I worked on beaches, golf courses, marinas, and then capped it with two years in a tropical island. Oh, nice. Sounds very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first five years were pretty amazing. And when I came back from Samoa, I worked on motorways, which sounds like a bit of a weird move to make. But the what triggered that is that by the time I got back from Samoa, I had led a large multidisciplinary team and there wasn't at the time that many opportunities to do that in the coastal environment. So I moved on to transport projects and motorway upgrades like the Grafton Gully upgrade and by the Auckland University. So yeah, lots of project experience, but eventually I started to think more about the business and wanted to take my people management and organisation skills into a business leadership role instead, which is where I ran our civil structures team for four years. That's a team of people who largely design bridges and they're incredibly passionate about bridges. Luckily, I quite like a good bridge because I really don't like structural (laughs) design. (laughs) I ditched that as quickly as I possibly could in my university degree. So it always seemed quite ironic that I turned up as a manager of a civil structures team. But that's it worked well for me and for the team, I think. Super. My father-in-law has a bit of a thing for bridges too. He originally did study civil engineering. So we've done tours around New Zealand, the car with him, even in Europe, going to look at bridges. So uh, I'm with you there. They are interesting. Yeah, I have a very tolerant partner and family who, (laughs) you know, when we go away, we'll go, oh, look, Tracy, there's a bridge. Yeah, often our trips are driven by that. Nice. What about what else from them from there? What's been the path then, some of the highlights along the way to lead you into to the role that you're doing today at Becker? Yeah, so after leading civil structures, I went into a bit of a internal kind of organisational development type role. And that came from seeing things that we could do as a company that would make, would help our people to deliver better and deliver better for the company, for our clients, but also for themselves. So it was all about making things easier for people. And I had lots of ideas and opinions on how we could do that. And so that turned into a an internal role, scoping and leading change initiatives that would do literally that, make the days easier for our people. So that took me outside of New Zealand even more. So I I bounced between pretty much every office in Becker and we're a multinational company. We're throughout Asia, Australia and and New Zealand. So I spent time in Singapore and China and Indonesia throughout Australia. I think often in the consultancy world, a lot of time is spent on client work and doing the best thing for your clients. But to be given the opportunity to almost apply some of those problem-solving skills internally to make the actual organisation work better would have been a fantastic opportunity. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. It certainly used um, similar skills. And I I truly believe that as a, a consulting organisation, people are our greatest asset. And if we focus on the people and helping them to do their job and supporting them in their roles, then the business outcomes and the client outcomes will come. And more recently, I think you've been working, I think you now are the market lead for land development for Becker and do quite a bit of work in the housing space. How's that development come about? Yeah, I, eventually I got to the point where I'd achieved the main things that I wanted to achieve in helping Becker people to deliver better. And I could easily have come out and gone back into large transport projects. But I looked around and went, actually, we've got plenty of people who are playing key roles and leading that type of project. What's a different space that I could work in where I could apply my leadership skills and my project skills and it wouldn't be, it would be helping that part of the business because they were looking for that input. And so I moved into our development infrastructure team who largely do land development projects. What I didn't know at the time is that the government would start investing heavily in housing as a way of improving the well-being of New Zealanders. And so suddenly I found myself in a team that had so many opportunities um, coming in and now billions of dollars in investment and infrastructure and housing and how do we solve New Zealand's housing crisis. So it couldn't have been a better shift, to be honest. Yeah, so my main focus at the moment is working with Kainga Ora on some of their large-scale housing projects that will transform social housing neighbourhoods like Mount Roskill or Porirua into areas where there's more housing, but the mix of housing is better suited to the communities that are there. And they're really, they're transformational projects for the communities. And they also have huge environmental impacts in that, positive impacts, that is, in that these areas tend to have infrastructure that under capacity and in poor condition and causing environmental problems in a lot of cases. And so the project work that we're doing for Kainga Ora is going through and upgrading the infrastructure so that it, it meets the needs of the current communities and delivers better environmental outcomes. Yeah, fantastic. What a variety, you said, from starting on beaches and looking at coastal erosion through bridges, through transport, and now into housing and land development around that. Fascinating. You know, what do you love about your, your current work now? I think what I've always loved is being able to understand people's aspirations and their ideas and, and what they want for their communities and, and for themselves, being able to understand that and then figuring out how a project can respond and help them achieve what it is that they're looking for. So for me, it's always been about the people on the ground and the communities that we're working with. In particular, now we're, we're working with people who've got some real challenges in front of them and just thinking that we're helping to build houses that mean they'll have somewhere warm and dry to 
to sleep is, yeah, that's pretty motivating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. And you talked a bit about the environmental impact, but also the social impact of the work that you're doing that can change people's lives in a really nice way to put it. Now, we talked about some of the highlights and I guess some of the things that you've really enjoyed or or learned along the way. I guess no career is easy without a few bumps and twists along the way. What have been some of your, as you look back, some of the the toughest career challenges or moments that you've faced? Two years in Samoa was the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. When I went to Samoa, I was 28 years old and I had five years experience and was running a multidiscipline team of 15 people who were flying in and out of Samoa. So it was a massive logistical challenge. But actually, the hardest part of it is that a number of that team were older and I think reasonably set in their ways on how you deliver projects in countries in the Pacific. And it was a bit hard for them to take leadership from a young female. So Yeah, there were challenges there. There was questions that were raised back in home office about whether I was the right person or whether I was ready or whether I was doing a good job. A lot of challenge from some key members of the team, but it was well thought through, I think, by the Becker team that I was working with and and they were supportive all the way. They talked to the client to make sure things were working out, but ultimately they spoke to the people in the team who were having a hard time and said, no, we're 100% behind Tracy and what she's doing. So that kind of nipped it in the butt. Um, But it, it was a really difficult time to go through, but at the same time, it was the experience that made me grow a backbone and really learn to stand up for myself and being be vocal about what I am doing and what I'm bringing to a project. Mm, and it sounds like part of the way of coping with that was perhaps raising it, but also she said you had to develop a backbone and stand up for yourself. How else did you cope through that time? So I'm lucky that I've my partner Phil is he's always travelled for work and we're both really supportive of the flexibility you need when people are traveling for work and he his company was amazing actually so they used to fly him back through Samoa whenever they could and so he would stay for a week and that would be the just completely switch off for a week and just recharge at some beautiful beach resort in Samoa or often a a tiny village in the middle of nowhere. So that that was really important to be able to just take that time to spend with him. But otherwise, to be honest, Samoa is probably the most intense period of work I've ever done in my life. It sounds like it. Mm. Are there anything else? As you look back, are there any other particular challenges that, that stand out for you as something that either that you've had to overcome or that's helped to develop and, and challenge you? So I think my group delivery role, which is that the internal improvement initiatives role, that was great when I had some real ambition for what we needed to do to change things, to make things better for people. But when I look back on it now, I probably stayed in that role for a year or two too long and got to the point where I was a little bit jaded, maybe. Didn't have the same 
spark about making a difference for our people internally. And when you're in the thick of that, you don't sort of notice that it probably is time for a change. But when I look back now, it was so completely obvious to me. I was not very engaged. I was tired. And I knew that I just didn't have the spark and the the get up and go that I would normally have. But eventually I did go, okay, something's got to change. And one of the advantages of being in a company like Becca is that I could just switch that role off, basically, and move sideways into the land development space without too much of a transition. It wasn't like Mm. I had to make a decision to leave a company and apply for new roles. It was, yeah, more just a time for a change. Mm, And it's interesting to see almost that sometimes that happens in a role that you have absolutely that sort of real spark and enthusiasm as you get going and you make lots of progress and you do lots of things. And then at a certain point in time, maybe you reach that, as you said, that sort of plateau or, or it's starting, you're starting to feel a bit more jaded and it's recognising perhaps when that's happening and when it's time to move to, to something different, to have a change. It's not always an easy point to pick because often when you're doing something that you've been doing for a while, it can feel really good because you're an expert in it or you feel like comfortable, you know what you're doing and it's recognising when it tips over into that point for where change is needed. Mm. And you have and have had for a long time big, busy roles, as you talked about, travel as well. How do you, apart from that time in Samoa, where that helped probably with your balance a lot to be able to go to the beach, but, you know, nowadays, how do you find balance between your working life and and your broader life? Yeah, we have a a lot of flexibility, both myself and my role here at Becca, but with my relationship with Phil, where we don't have kids. It was a a conscious decision that we made early on. It was that wasn't really for us. And I think that leaves a flexibility that maybe working parents don't have. So some days are, are full on and very long. And then we have the flexibility to actually go, you know what, we're just not going to work on Friday and we'll go off to the beach. I also have a number of activities outside of work that kind of help me um, stay grounded, I like to think of. So I took up dragon boating a few years ago, which is an amazing community of people. They're fun and supportive and it's, yeah, it's just, it's the, exactly the kind of people that I like to hang out with. The thing I really get from dragon boating, apart from some exercise and being out in the water, it reminds me about some of the principles of teamwork. And it's a, I really enjoy being in the team, not leading the team. And it just makes me reflect on, yeah, what it's like to be in a team. And it, I think I bring that into how I lead my teams in the office on a daily basis. I also, I do yoga and I go walking. We have a house out at Pihar and so Pihar Beach is is a big part of how I stay connected with with nature. There's nothing like walking along the beach and getting the air, the salty air through your senses to kind of help clear your thoughts. And so I find that's really important for me. And then on a completely different scale, We go to the theatre a lot because that's what Phil does for his job. He works in the theatre industry. And so we go to an awful lot of shows. And what I love about that is that it exposes you to such um, different worlds and different perspectives. And I find it really thought-provoking and makes me think of what, what could the world 
be. And I think it helps in my project work to put myself in other people's shoes. So, yeah, so a real range of things in there. And I think that variety is really important to me, both in my work, but also in what I do outside of work. Wonderful. And it was great to hear, as you said, not only that variety, but also that each of those almost brought a different perspective for you, whether it's walking along the beach, whether it's doing the dragon boating and the teamwork element that you're getting from that, whether it's going to the theatre and thinking about different people's lives. All of that brings you a different perspective, which not only kind of refreshes and recharges you, but also that you're able to then bring back into your work as well. Yeah, you absolutely cannot separate your life from your work. It's your life regardless of where you are. And so the things you're doing in the office inform what you're doing outside and what you're doing outside is informing what you do inside. And I've always had this belief that it's all, it's one big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Your work is just a part of your broader life, isn't it? So definitely. And we talked about some of the tough times, but as you reflect now, what have been some of your proudest career moments to date? The tangible nature of the projects that I get involved with as a consulting engineer means that I can, like if I go up Sky Tower, I can point out the projects that I've been involved with. And that's incredibly satisfying to say, I did that and that. Bayswater Marina Outboard Boating Club, um, Grafton Gully Motorways, Wynyard Quarter Transformation. That's all projects that I'm really proud of. And it's so satisfying to be able to do that. But actually, I think my proudest moments are where some of the people who I've mentored or managed over time come back into Becca and hunt me out to say, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm doing this project now or I've got this role or I really want to thank you for the advice you gave me or the opportunity you gave me. Just that the developing people and providing them the opportunity to grow and showing them the way is I've I think that's the proudest moments I have. Nice circularity almost in terms of you talked about your first role at Becker and that you were given opportunities to grow and develop and mentored by others. And then now actually you're seeing that flow through with with other people about the support and development and the opportunities people have been able to take along the way with some support from you as well. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're right, actually. I hadn't really thought about that, but is that me mirroring the experience that I had as a young engineer? And when you you talked about how much of a positive impact it it had on you in terms of a great start. So, yeah, I think it's really nice. And where do you see your career now heading in the future, Tracy? Ah, well, whatever appeals to me next, Mm -hmm. I guess, is my whole career has been about being open to what's going on around me and and seeing things where I'm like, oh, I'm interested in that. I'm quite curious about how that works. I'm going to get involved and and see what I can do with it. I'm still living that dream, I guess, in the land development space. So I don't have anything on my radar at the moment for that. But what is, I think, the next step is, and, and it's underway, is I'm starting to move into more governance roles, mm. whether it's in industry bodies or on projects themselves. So more about working at a high level to understand performance and identify strategies to kind of get things, whether it's an industry initiative or or a project, kind of heading in the right direction. Interesting. And it is quite often people's 
careers can flow that way through once you've sort of led or, or contributed, managed teams, managed projects, managed parts of the business, actually then to look into that governance element as well, actually, how do you look even f- perhaps take that step even further up, have more of a strategic perspective, have more of a long-term view and be able to contribute that way. Yeah, super. Yeah, and I, to me, that's about le- leaving space for others to grow into the project leadership roles. But yeah, being able to add value to multiple projects and multiple people at the same time instead of driving the project hands on yourself. Mm-mm, fantastic. It can be quite hard to let go of that, though. <laughs> it, can, it can be, can't it? You know, how, what, what have you found has helped you to let go? It took me quite a while to shift from project metrics as being a measure of how successful I was. And the shift that I had to make was from individual project to result results to team results and using the measures of team performance as a as an indicator of where I was adding value. So yeah, learning to value my role in enabling other people to deliver good outcomes instead of doing it all myself. That's not an easy transition to make, is it? I know it's something that I've often struggled with too, so I definitely understand what you're talking about. One last question that I'd love to have for you, Tracy, is have you got any career advice or what career advice would you have for other women? So I think I think the most important career advice is to is to do what you enjoy and to keep your eyes open for opportunities that interest you and challenge you and that you're curious about and that you would enjoy doing. And if you're working with people and on things that you really enjoy and are interested in, then work work's not really work anymore. You're right. When you're really enjoying something, actually, you're more likely to be able to get out of bed with a spring in your step and, and, and really give your best to, to what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I think my other points would be don't expect someone to lay a career path out for you. I've had this conversation many times with graduate groups in Becca who who want me to plot for them. What's the next step in my career? What will I do next? <laughs> what will you give me next? And and I say to them, this isn't a recipe. This is like a menu and you get to choose which bit you want next. So expecting someone to lay your career path out and waiting for that to happen is is only going to lead to frustration. Take ownership of it yourself and and select from the menu. It's a really nice way to put it, that it's not a recipe. It's not something you can follow step by step. It's in fact a menu where you have the choice, but that you have to be proactive in that way, alongside being kind of curious and interested and and looking out for those opportunities as as well. Fantastic advice. Tracy, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. And thank you so much for your time. I've really, you know, again, you you kind of closed off there talking about actually finding something you're curious and you're interested in and you enjoy. And I think back to the first comments that you made about engineering, that you were interested in math and science and you saw the fluid labs and thought I'd really enjoy that. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure to hear your journey and the learnings that you've had along the way. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. That's been quite the trip. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. 
You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon. Thank you.